Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, February 19th. Finally home after 10 fantastic days on the road. Super producer Daniel Westoff and I starting our journey in Chicago for the Women's Division I National Indoor Championships, working our way down to Lexington for the inaugural Kentucky Open, a WTA 100K event, and then all the way back up to Madison to conclude our journey. Got to watch the USC Trophy. Bring home the Division I Men's National Indoor Championship. What a fun time it was. Can't state enough how grateful we are to our friends at the ITA at PlaySite, our friends at Top Seed Tennis Club uh, for the opportunities to cover those events in person. Obviously, huge shout out to Chris Halliores, who was with me in the booth for the men's play-by-play coverage. If you guys can't hear this now, my voice still a little bit shot, and we do apologize. No mini break yesterday. Wanted to give my day one day to sort of rest, heal, see if I could. Didn't want it to sound like chicken scratch. I, I keep making this joke, but it sounds like I'm actively smoking three packs of cigarettes throughout these podcasts right now. And I feel like now my voice had a place, maybe one pack, maybe only six cigarettes a day. And that's good enough to broadcast, certainly. But we want to thank you, the listener, uh, for all the support you gave us throughout the journey. We do this content for you. It was so thrilling for us to see the reception of our coverage. And hopefully it's something we're going to get to do more of in the future. We launched our Patreon recently. Uh, We know we are going to have more chances to be in person, do things such as live video interviews, uh, coverage of that, unfiltered, unedited podcast. You want to hear the swearing, the all of the usual uh, stuff that I force West off to quack out. Uh, you, you can find that and more on our Patreon. So, and we appreciate all of you uh, who have already gone and subscribed on there. Hopefully, you've already received your Crack Rackets mug in the mail. And if you haven't, you sign up this month, you will receive one of those Crack Rackets coffee mugs. And they're pretty nice. And I've been sipping on a lot of tea in my Crack Rackets mug to have, help my voice recover. And I think we've gotten closer and closer. I also want to mention real quick uh, two more things, then we'll get rocking and rolling. But uh, in case you haven't heard already, our friends at Aerobar are so kind in getting us more gear from the pros, signed shirts from John Isner, from Steve Johnson. And we want to, as our way of saying thank you to you, the listener, for all of our support, give those away. So the way you can sign up for that giveaway. Leave a review on this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast. You know, leave a little message in there and say, hey, I'd like to sign up for the signed giveaway. And also, Gruskin, stop making the cigarette joke. You know, it's smoking is no laughing matter, but that is what I sound like. You know, whatever it want to be. Or, hey, you know, Gruskin, uh, I don't know why West Stuff didn't punch you in the face after all those times because your commentary was getting out of hands. Whatever it may be, uh, leave a message on there. Leave a handle away for us to know how to contact you. For each review you leave, 
leave across the three pods, your name will be answered additional time. So you leave one on all three, you get three uh, ent- entrances into this competition. So go do that. Also, I have to remind you that today's podcast is sponsored by our friends at Diadem. And look, we are thrilled to be bringing on a member of the Diadem team onto our podcast later this week to give you the full rundown. So be on the lookout for that. But more importantly, you know the deal by now. Diadem, they're on the forefront of uh, all racket and string technology innovations going on in the game right now. One of the most thrilling moments was being at the uh, the Kentucky Open, seeing a player walk in with their Diadem gear and a little bit more to that story. I saw it in my eyes, just locked in. And someone goes, Alex, what are you looking at? I'm going, she has Diadem. And I tried to chase after her, but you know, like all Diadem athletes, she's in top form. So she made it to the player's lounge before I could say, excuse me, miss, miss, miss. Uh, so unfortunately, I wasn't able to see her, but I am thrilled to say uh, that we are partnering with Diadem moving forward and their way to get you involved. Use our promo code CR50, 50% off your order of Diadem gear. Once you use the racket, you're never going to want to use anything else. So be sure to go give our friends at Diadem a listen. That being said, we've been on the road. And when we're on the road, we try and provide specific coverage of those specific events. It would be disingenuous for me to try and talk about things I just wasn't watching. Uh, so, And I know there was so much ATP and WTA action last week. The two WTA events, shout out, of course, to our winners there, Kiki Burton's one and three winner in uh, St. Petersburg over Elena Rybakina, Rybakina, I believe I saw a pronunciation clarification. It's not Rybakina. I believe it's Rybakina. Uh, so shout out to them in the final. Shout out to Kiki for getting that title. And shout out, of course, to Magda Lynette as well. Three and two winner in the final in Thailand on the ATP side. There are winner in New York, Kyle Edmund in Argentina, Kasparud, and of course the winner of the ATP 500, Gael Monfils over FA. That was a lot of tennis there. So many great results. We want to talk about our biggest takeaways But we're going to save that for a live video podcast Jamie McDonald and I are going to be doing this weekend. Give you guys our rundown of the winners and losers on the ATP and WTA tours in this post-Australian Open stretch. Uh, So we'll talk about all of those results at the time. I did want to give those winners a shout-out. Also, a shout-out to a guy near and dear to our hearts here at Cracked Rackets. We've had him on the Cracked Interviews uh, podcast multiple times. Mikhail Torpegaard, who got a challenger win uh, this past week in Cleveland. That was an event we were at last year where Torpegaard lost in the final. A big result for the 25-year-old who's now up to number 174 in the live rankings. That's eight off his career high of 166. Just physically, what Torpegaard's able to offer, I'm telling you, do not be surprised if you see him crack that top 100 this year because, I mean, there's the floor of Mikhail Torpegaard. It's, it's quite high at this point. 25, 26 years old, he is in his physical prime, so be on the lookout for that. But Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. There's a lot of good tennis going on in the world this week, and that's what I want to talk about on today's Mini Break Podcast. Get you guys ready for the back half of this week of action. And the place I want to start, I think our premier event of the week, I'm talking, of course, about the Dubai Duty Free Tennis Championships, the WTA event going on right now. 
uh, because we've already had notable results. I'm recording this Wednesday morning, um, so that we've already had, I believe, three days of action. Just want to run through those three days, what we've seen, the most notable results from each of them. The reason I want to go all the way back to the first day of action is because there's a bunch of notable things that happened then. Striskova knocked off Anisimova in three sets. That, of course, is notable. Onshabur continues her great form from the Australian Open. She knocked out Ali Risk 6-3 in the third. Those are two players playing extraordinarily well at the start of this season, so that's notable. But, of course, the most notable result of the day, Garbine Muguruza, the Australian Open finalist, 6-2-7-6, over Kim Kleisters, who makes her return to the WTA Tour did not get to watch the action live. I did get to see the Twitter reaction live because I think we were driving back from Madison when the match was happening or it had just happened whatever, but I have had the chance to go back and look, and what a result. I mean, for Kim Kleisters, she's retired now, or I think this is her third comeback. We talk about where she's at just in terms of where she's at as a person. She, you know, she's a mother now of multiple children. She's age 36, has nothing left to prove. On the, on the tennis tour, and, you know, I, I believe Tumani Cariol of The Guardian wrote a piece about it today that was phenomenal. Um, I don't know if you wrote it today or if it was a couple of days ago. That's why I say that. But, you know, you just see the athleticism from Kim Kleisters, and, you know, if you got it, you never lose it. She's one of those people who just is so naturally blessed, and she can still do the splits, still the power she can produce on the run, just... I mean, she's 36 years old, and she hadn't played competitive tennis in, what, five, six, seven years? And it was just, it was outstanding stuff. And so to see that, uh, to see her level against, you know, uh, this year's Grand Slam finalist, it's giving, I'm all for it, all the comebacks in the world. It's a great level of tennis now. She definitely looked rusty. I saw a stat that she only made, I think it was like 52% of her second serves. Like she played 18 or 17 second serve points and double faulted eight or nine of them away. And that's what comes, those sort of nerves, those jitters when you haven't played professional matches in that long. And, you know, I'm not saying Kim Kleischer is going to win a major in 2020, but she talked about how important it was for her to be back on court just to give herself a routine for her to have something to strive for at this point of her life, how much it meant to her, the comfort it gave her. And it was special to see. You could see just how much she relished the atmosphere, relished being in that environment once again. Uh, So thrilling. And hopefully we get to see her continue to play more and more. Hopefully health isn't isn't a thing that holds her back. And, you know, give her all of the wild cards because who doesn't want to see Kim Kleisters in a first-round match? That was the day three action. You look at day four. This is now the tennis has really gotten started. You know, Sinyakova over Mukova in three sets was great. Jennifer Brady, the big upset of the day. There are a couple big upsets of the day. The three, four, and five seeds all knocked out. Jennifer Brady, two and one over Svitolina, feels particularly notable. And you look at Svitolina's results thus far in 2020, you know, probably not the start she was looking for. In Brisbane, first round loss to Danielle Collins, although in fairness, Danielle Collins in Brisbane was playing lights out tennis. Now, you look at the Australian Open, third round loss to Muguruza, one and two. Yes, not the scoreline Svitolina was looking for, certainly. But in context, Muguruza, Australian Open finalist. In Joaquin, she lost to Niall Hibino. Uh, Hibino in that tournament. In Joaquin, I believe, went on to lose in the semifinals in three sets. Yes, so still, you know, that's the loss she regrets. But now it's been a couple of them. You know, another early loss here in Dubai. 
uh, and she talks about it. She she said after the match something didn't feel right, uh, just her training, the way she's at with her game, uh, not happy with her level. And I mean, Jennifer Brady's had a really strong start to her 2020 season. You talk about what Jennifer Brady's done. This isn't her first uh, big result of the season. I believe it was back in Brisbane as well, where she made the quarterfinals. She knocked off Sharapova in three. She knocked off Ashley Barty in straight. She lost four and two to Petra Kvitova at the Australian Open. Brady, uh, quarterfinalist in doubles. She lost though to Simone Halp, six and one first round. That's just a brutal first round. Uh, so Jennifer Brady's had some really good results this year, uh, but two and one or one and two, excuse me. I'm sure not uh, two and one. No, not the results she was looking for. Weirdest match of the tournament, Belinda Bencic, maybe weirdest match of the year, was up, I believe, 4-love, 30-love, hadn't dropped a point, ends up losing the max to Anastasia Pavlchenkova, who another player riding that early Australian Open momentum, 1-6, uh, 6-1, 6-1. You know, Belinda Bencic, I think, made the final, or maybe even won Dubai last year, so that's a ton of points coming off of her uh, record. You look now, she's down to number nine after losing all of those points at the start right now in the live rankings with with all due respect. More room to fall depending on who does well here. Uh, so that felt notable. And then Elena Rabakena, again, a fantastic result. She knocks off Australian Open champion Sophia Kennan, 6-7, 6-3, 6-3. I mean, talk about Alina Rabakina and what she has done thus far in 2020, just to look at it real quick. You know, she's played a bunch of events already, and she's had success everywhere. She started her season in Shenzhen. She made the final there, losing 2-4 and four to Alexandrova, but wins over uh, Elise Mertens there, win over, I believe, uh, the, the other Pliskova, um, but then she goes to Hobart. She wins that tournament, wins over Watson and Zhang in the semifinals and finals, respectively. Australian Open in singles. She makes it all the way uh, to the third round before losing three and two to Barty, but she held seed there last week in St. Petersburg. Finalist, knocking out Sakari, knocking out Dodan before losing two Burtons in straight sets. And now here, she continues her great form, knocking off Sophia Kennan in the first round. She knocked off Sinja Kova today. I mean, that's this is someone who, at age, what, she's 20 years old, another player just hitting her stride. And, you know, someone I didn't mention yet, Diana Yastremska, who lost today. But, you know, you talk about these under-21-year-old players and just looking at, you know, where they are at and how many of them are talented. I mean, look at this list. Under-21 players right now in the top 20. Bianca Andreescu, number four. Kennan just turned 21, but she's number five. Uh, Sabalenka's 21, but she's 13. Vondrasova, 17. She's 20. Rybakina, 19. She's uh, number 19. She's 20. Yastrzemska's 19 years old. She's number 25. Amanda Nisimova's 18. She's 29. You know, Osaka and Svitolina and Barty, you know, they're in that 22 to 25 range, and it's almost like they're old by comparison, and they're not by any means, but just says how, how loaded of a deck we have. And I really do think up to her career high now of number 19, Elena Rybakina is someone you should throw right up there uh, given the way she started her season. Speaking of another group of young players, you know, that 23-24 range. Annette Conteve was a winner, 1-3 over Kirstea. Sabalenka, 6-2-4-6-6-1 over Sakari. Uh, there's just the, the level of play right now is so high on the WTA and uh and it really feels like anyone can win in any given moment. So you run through the rest of the results. Brady followed up her win over Svinolina, 4-6-6, 4-6-1 over Vondrusova. Pliskova, 1-2 over um, Ladenovic. Muguruza, 3-set winner over 
Kudermatova, Petra Martic continues to do well. Sabalenka followed up her win. Simona Halep got on the board with a 7-6 win over Jabour in the round of 16. Uh, right now, Kontave Pavlchenkova playing uh, to complete the Day 5 action, figure out who we're going to see in our quarterfinals, but it's shaping up to be a really fun quarterfinals. Halep Sabalenka signed me up for that. Jennifer Brady Muguruza, all in. Petra Martic versus either Kontave or Pavlchenkova, sure. And then that Rybakina-Pliskova match is going to be really special as well. So, you know, Dubai giving us the sort of result we've come to expect from that tournament. On the WTA side, another week, another week of one ATP 500, two ATP 250s. Let's start at the 500 level. And guess what? It's our first 500 level event on clay. Uh, let's look at our round of 32 results because they are now all officially in the books in terms of the seeds who went down. Uh, let's start with number nine seed Fernando Verdasco, three and three loser to Pablo Andujar. Casper Ruud lost six and five to Gianluca Majer, but or you have to imagine for Casper Ruud, given that he won a title last week, you know that hangover when you're a top ten player, when you're twenty three, twenty four, twenty five years old, do you want that sort of thing to happen? No, of course not. You're expected to be able to compete back to back weeks because, of course, that's what you have to do at a slam. But for Casper Ruud, who right now sits at number thirty four in the rankings after he wins that title. He's 21 years old. That's okay. You're allowed to have a little bit of a championship hangover. But the big result, oh, I shall say Guido Pea, loser losing to Diego Montiero of Brazil, 5-7-6-4-7-6. Uh, given that it's on clay, yeah, you would have favored Pea in that one, but those are two uh, fantastic players on the dirt as well. So uh, not the shocking, but the most shocking, Carlos Alcaraz, uh, the 16-year-old phenom, 7-6-4-6-7-6 over Albert ramos Vinolas. Dalton was so happy with his call and this little sneak peek into our Cracked Rackets group chat. He's like, doesn't Carlos Alcaraz look just like LaMelo Ball? And he really does look just like LaMelo Ball, but Dalton was like, yeah, I'm going to tweet that out. Like, I think it's a great take, and it is a good take, but he was just particularly excited about it. So please give him that gratification. Tell him if he looks like LaMelo Ball or not. That's, of course, Lonzo Ball, the basketball family balls. Uh, That's the family that he's referring to. Uh, But in terms of the tennis for Alcaraz, I mean, this match ended, I think, at like 3 a.m. It was the exact sort of grind, 3 hours, 36 minutes, uh, that it sounds like. And it was 7-6-4-6-7-6-4 Alcaraz. You look at his stats from the match. You know, typical of any young player, 22 of 49 on his second serve. That's that's rough. Uh, But perhaps more importantly, he created 19 break chances for himself, only converted four of them. And you look for uh, Alcaraz himself. He faced 15 break chances. Uh, he had five breaks against him. But guess what? The 16-year-old came through in the clutch. He won the two big tiebreakers. He had to 7-2 in both. He made 68% of his first serves, won 63% of those points. That's better than Ramos Vinolas. He was able to find easier points at a few times. I mean, this was a grind. There were no easy points. Uh, but you can just tell his shot tolerance, the fitness level for the 16-year-old, the weapon itself, uh, that his forehand can be particularly on the dirt. This guy's going to be special, and I do want to watch him a little bit more closely to give you all a full breakdown, but 
You can't see a result like that and not take notice, and I certainly did uh, even while on the road. Let's look at the other results, though. Dominic Team, a three-set winner. looked like he bothered his either ankle or knee during that match, and the trainer had to come out and tape it, so that's something to monitor, but he's back on the dirt, gets his first win on that surface there. The Deuce, Dusan Lajevic, three-set winner over Chechen Nato. Christian Guerin, I think everyone and their mother's dark horse to make maybe a round of 16 quarterfinal at the French Open. Four, six, seven, five, Seven six against Andre Martin. He just keeps finding the goods in these third sets. Chorich over Landero six and five. Born and Chorich is like, oh my god, I can win? Really? I didn't know I could still do that. And great win for him to kick off his clay season. Uh, Balaz over Cuevas, Correa over Mutet, Del Bonis over Carbeas Benya, Dominguez over Gallo, Martinez Delian, Halmi Munar, five and four win over Caruso. I'm going to throw another thing out there. The obvious dark horse is Christian Guerin. If Halmi Munar can come into the French Open with confidence, just going to throw that name out there as well. He's a guy I think so dangerous of the young players on the dirt. I'm not saying round of 16, but third round, depending on how the draw breaks out, he knocks off, let's say. Let's look right now on the live rankings. Let's oh, the number thirty two seed right now would be Philip Krajinovic. Would I pick Munar over Krajinovic on the dirt? I think I would. Uh so that's the sort of thing I'm saying. You could see him in a third round knocking off one of those bottom, you know, six or seven seeds if the draw acts up, you know, breaks down that way for him. Uh one of the you know, this was literally a boxing match sort of thriller in that they almost did throw punches at each other. Diego Sebefvild, uh, five six seven seven six seven five over Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. They did have a nice embrace at the end, but this match got heated. It got physical. Davidovich Fokina is crazy, but, uh, I mean, his talent is equally crazy for Diego Sebefvild. I mean, you talk about a guy who, you know, the young Brazilian, age 19, Another just ridiculously talented player as well. It's a really fun uh, time to be a fan of tennis because we do finally seem to see this new generation breakthrough. And it's not maybe happening at the slams yet, but at these 500, 250 events, each and every week you're talking about whether it's a Munar or a Vild or even a Lorenzo Sinego or just a Carlos Alcaraz. I mean... Christian Guerin or some weeks it's Alexi Paparin for Australia or just there's someone new each and every week and that's what makes all these things so much fun um so those were your round of 32 winners you look at where the draws at right now in Rio team Munar is the round of 16 match I have circled on my calendar I will be watching that under all circ under any and all circumstances Alcaraz Federico Correa will be that follow-up. Delbanis, uh, Christian Guerin will be fun. Sabeth Vild against Borna Chorich. Hello. Uh, so fun week going on right now on the dirt. And of course, I'm not ready to fully embrace the clay portion part of the year. I got to wait till after Indian Wells in Miami to fully flip out of hard court mode. But uh, you're like, yeah, yeah, it was fun watching Carlos Alcaraz on the uh clay because you're just like, wow, if the 16-year-olds can do this physically on this surface right now, what else is he going to be capable of later in his career? So that's what's going on in Rio in terms of our other ATP 250 events in Marseille this week, France, the Open 13 Provence. You look at what's gone down thus far. Uh, they are entering the round of 16 quarterfinal range. Seeds that were knocked out. Hatchinov, three-set loser to Bedene, uh, four six six four seven five for Karen Hatchinov. It really is about finding wins wherever he can. And this was an indoor hardcourt. You'd think this would be his best surface, but he just didn't have the goods there today. That was the only seed who lost, though, elsewhere. You know, FAA, a little bit of early trouble. 
but he did manage to bounce back 6-7-7-6-6-3 today over Travaglia. Uh, elsewhere, Benoit Pair was a winner. Hubie Hercatch a winner. Uh, those were the seeds in action. Sasha Bublik, Marin Cilic, Gerasimov, Herbert, Pospisil, Jill Simone, Yannick Sinner with one of the most beautiful, you know, how sometimes when you give a poor lob, players will choose to just rush the net to try and disrupt the timing of the person with the overhead. Uh, his opponent here, Gombos, hit the overhead right at center. Center gets his racket on it. Lob drops just over Gombos's head and in. It was a little bit of luck, but when you're the sin man right now, it's all working. Those sorts of shots are definitely going his way. So good win for him. Great win for Mikhail Yimmer, who has come on strong. He really did all he could at the challenger level. He, he proved he was ready to get to those 250s, both ranking-wise and level-wise. And he showed that thus far at the beginning of 2020. Another good win for him, 6-3-3-6-7-5 over Richard Gasquet. Mikhail Yimmer, by the way, another name when you're like, oh, I saw this guy won a couple of matches at this 250. Another one of those breaking through at that level. Uh, you look at the number one seed. We haven't seen him yet in action, but... After his loss last week in Rotterdam, Daniil Medvedev versus Yannick Sinner. Hello. Sign me up for that. I'd watch a best of five. I'd watch a best of seven. Um, so that's a must-see here in Marseille this week. Gofen versus Igor Gerasimov. Sneaky fun. Air Bear. FAA. I think that why that match will be fun. No doubt. Shapovalov. Chilich will be a good one. Vashik Pospisil already knocking off Hubie Hercatch. Three and four. Mikhail Yimmer versus Tsitsipas. Sign me up for Marseille. Right now, this is my tournament of the week. With all due respect to Rio, and we're going to talk about Delray in a second. There are a lot of Americans in action. But Yimmer, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Sinner as a next-gen fanatic. Uh, I'm all about those two matchups. And then, if you want chaos, you want guaranteed one smash racket. In fact, here's my bet of the day. Westhoff, give me a lock of the day sound effect, please. My lock of the day at Alex's Make uh, Believe Casino is there will be over under one and a half racket breaks, take the over. Over under one and a half point penalties, take the over of this uh, Sasha Bublik Benoit pair matchup. You're telling me those guys aren't going to be breaking, you know, three, four, five rackets. Maybe just that they're not going to be crazy momentum swings, that they're not going to hit balls at one another. It'll either be extraordinarily friendly, in which case take parlay the two and take the unders, but I think we're going to see some drama. At least I hope we see some drama. That's half the fun. So that is my lock of the day. And that's all of the action from Marseille. Hey. Great shot, a little bit of rhymes for you. Let's go now to Del Rey. Oh, the three-way rhyme. I'm back in pride form. It is nice to be back on this mini break talking professional tennis, but let's end with some Del Rey Beach. Uh, you look at the draws there. We've already had notable seeds go down uh, in terms of seeds who lost in the first round. We lost Nick Kyrgios, which seems worth mentioning. He withdraws from an injury, so we get a bunch of lucky losers here. Uh, but the big seeds who gone down, Taylor Fritz, 6-4, to Cam Norrie in that match. Norrie just did a really good job working Fritz to the outer thirds, did a really good job of keeping Fritz off rhythm. The lefty was able to absorb the Taylor Fritz backhand well. He played slice low on Fritz. He moved forward well. You look at in terms of where they were at first service-wise uh, in this match. Cam Norrie made 66% of his first serves, won 78% of those points, 59% of his second serve points, f- saved five of the six break points he faced. Fritz did really well in the first serve, 65% in 84% of those points won. But 13 of 35 on the second serve, 37% win percentage. That's what Cam Norris' bread and butter was in this match. He would take his return 
to the outer thirds, get Fritz on the defensive, get Fritz moving, and that's how he's able to take control of points. So great result there for Cam Nori. The other seed who goes down, Adrian Manorino, one six six three six two to another 22, 23-year-old up-and-comer in Sunwoo Kwan, the young South Korean. You look at where Kwan is at right now in the ATP rankings. He's up to a career high, number 77, and he's had a couple of good results now to stop start his 2020 season. I mentioned uh, we were going to do one of our winners and losers. I'll do that podcast with Jamie later in the week. And he's certainly one of them, quarterfinalists in New York after he knocked off Sita and Milos Raonic in three sets. He lost in that quarterfinal 7-6 in the third to eventual champion in New York, Kyle Edmund. He made the quarterfinals in Pune as well. Five-set loser to Basilis Vili at the Australian Open. He's an up-and-comer, and again... He's 22 years old, so he's another guy who you throw him into these 250s. He's very, very likely to come home or to end up winning a match, making a round of 16 quarterfinals. That's just where we're at right now in in terms of the state of the game generationally, who's on the up and up, who's winning these sorts of matches. Uh, so that's the other scene. And then Jack Sock, emotional, 3-6-6, 3-7-6 win, his first win, God knows how long, over Radu Elbot. And you could see the emotion on Sock's face. He was crying after he won the match. And because it was a big moment, you can only, you know, we've all ripped on Jack Sock's singles performance where he's been at mentally over the past year. Uh, and so for him to get a win, even at an event like this, a 250, just monumental for him. And I think he's back inside the top 800 with that win. So, should get into futures events. That's a positive here. The wild card gets him in and he takes advantage of it. In terms of the seeds who won Millman over, oh, I mentioned one more seed knocked out John Millman, 366462 to Yoshihito Nishioka. I think all of you listeners are well aware we at Cracked Rackets are on the Nishioka bandwagon. The little lefty just so crafty, so great on a hard court, so quick as well. Um, and worked all of his variety against Millman. That was just a physical battle. So really fun matchup there. The seed 2-1, Rayonich over Istamin 2-2. Two two. Opelka, 6-7, 6-4, over Ernest Gobus. Ugo Umbert, 6-7, 6-3, 6-1 Kozlov. Elsewhere, it was Ryan Harrison, Steve Johnson, Mackie McDonald, Brandon Nakashima, 6-1 winner over Yuri Vesely, Tommy Paul over Galan, Noah Rubin over Jason Jung, Francis Tiafo, whose first ATP Tour title came here in Delray two years ago, uh, All-American winners yesterday, and then also Kesmenovic, Steb moving on as well. So in terms of where we are going to be there, listen to these round of 16 matchups. Oh! Sign me up. I will be locked in. Tonight's mini break recapping. This is going to be fun. Tommy Paul versus Tiafo, Kesmenovic, Umbert, Nakashima, Nori, Nishioka, Rubin, Quan Ryan Harrison, Mackie Opelka, Jack Stock, Steve Johnson, and then Steb Rayonich, which with all due respect will get zero coverage because if you heard those first seven matchups, are you kidding me? I mean, you like next-gen Americans. This is literally what we were dreaming of. I feel like Mike Cation should be on the call. For this Delray round of 16, because I saw these round of 16s in Kalamazoo. I saw them, you know, Champagne Challengers or Knoxville or Sarasota or Irvine or just wherever throughout the years. We're finally seeing all these players break through at the 250 level. So this is really your dream scenario. I mean, this is what it's all about. So cannot wait to watch these matches happen. And then, you know, I mentioned the challenger action. There are still two good challengers going on this week in Drummondville in Mexico. We'll talk about those later. But for now, uh, that that's what's going on in the Pro Tour this week. And of course, uh, we are so excited to be getting back to that. But if you missed any of our coverage of our live events, you know, we're back on Pros now, but we were just 
on a big college binge, and Matt, Chris, and I are going to be breaking down uh, our, and giving our takeaways from the men's indoors tonight on a Great Shot podcast you all will be able to listen to, I'm sure, tomorrow or the next day. Uh, but if you have missed any of the action from the past couple of weeks, be sure to check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. This podcast, the Great Shot podcast, Cracked Interviews podcast, so many great interviews from around these different events from personalities who help uh, found and make our tennis world so great. So, or keep keep it running uh, as well as it is. So, be sure to go give those a listen. Uh, be sure to go give all of that stuff a look as well. Just a reminder: if you want to sign up for that Air of Our T-shirt giveaway, leave that review on this podcast, Great Shot Podcast, Correct Interviews, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you leave your reviews, leave your handle so we have a way to contact you. If you put a review in multiple podcasts, your name will be entered multiple times to win. The giveaway shout out, of course, to our friends at Diadem. You use the promo code CR50, 50% off your order of their innovative racket and string technology. Look, I promise I'm like two days away from being back at 100%. And Jamie McDonald with the joke of the week, he goes, I don't know, Alex, stay sick. Your voice sounds a little more rugged this way, a little bit deeper. I'll try to keep these smooth bass tones, but should be back to the full alto in a couple of weeks. With that said, for our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, who, of course, have a f- of an editing job to continue to do, and shout out to them for all they did over these past couple of weeks for our friends at both Diadem and Aerobar, and for all of us here at the Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network. My name's Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.